0: Meta slash Facebook's new Threads app is not allowed in the EU over supposed privacy concerns. France has passed a new law allowing police to spy on phones. It's pretty insane. Uh, Google wants to scrape everything posted online for training their AI and much more. Welcome to Surveillance Support 141, where we are dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news in the past week. I'm Henry from TechLore.
1: I'm Nathan from The New Oil. And I just realized we chose all the most depressing stories for our
0: lead stories. <laughs> right. Well, it's going to be a fun week. <laughs> and uh, I did want to say the last couple weeks, we've been seeing a huge rise in all of our support back here, which is just incredible to see. I mean, I can't express like how much of an increase you've been seeing back here. It's just so freaking cool to see. Um, so thank you all for your support. And if you want to be a part of that, um, we are on Patreon, patreon.com surveillancepod surveillance uh, pod, where you can directly support this podcast and you don't have to hear these segments every week. And also you hear a lot more uh, discussions between us and analysis on these different stories. We're also on LiberPay as well if you don't like Patreon. And we also directly support Monero. And we've been seeing a huge number of Monero contributions come in lately. Um, so thank you all who are supporting us through Monero. And if you want to keep this podcast going for free, any of the support methods are down in the description. I did want to say thanks everyone for leaving their feedback last week. We have decided to separate the QA section. And so, what this will look like is you're just going to see that same QA section you're used to seeing, just posted midweek. And that way, uh, you're just going to get the normal news all in this one episode uh, when we post it on our normal weekly basis. And then you're going to have a second video to look forward to. And the audio should also be posted in a similar fashion, where you're just pretty much copying and pasting that section into its own dedicated format. The reason for this is we were seeing a lot of people just tune out of the Q&A section. So both to make sure that people don't have to skip through a whole part of the podcast they don't need to skip through... And also for performance reasons on YouTube, um, it makes more sense to keep those as two different things. So uh, thank you all for uh, giving us your feedback, and you will see that uh, take place this week. So there's no Q&A in this video, but you're going to see it in the next several days.
1: All right, so our highlight story this week, we're going to talk about Threads. Everyone and their mother is talking about it. You're probably tired of hearing about it. Bear with us one more time. So uh, Threads, for those of you who missed the memo, it's... uh, It's a new app from Meta, specifically from Instagram. I think it's technically called Threads by Instagram or some crap like that. There's a lot of opinions about it (laughs) that are out there. We're just going to stick to the privacy ones. And the headline here says, Meta's Threads app is a privacy nightmare that won't launch in EU yet. Quoting the article here, information provided about the app's privacy via mandatory disclosures required on iOS. Quick note, they're talking about the little privacy labels in iOS, which for the record are not perfect, but they're never going to be worse than that. You know, if, if... Thread says, and it's impressive, if Thread says it collects everything in the kitchen sink, I guarantee you they're never going to find out. It's actually not collecting anything. It's probably collecting more, so... Anyways, uh, according to these mandatory disclosures, it shows the app may collect highly sensitive information about users in order to profile their digital activity, including health and financial data, precise location, browsing history, contact, search history, and other sensitive information. It raises questions over whether Threads will be able to launch in the European Union where the legal basis had claimed for processing Facebook's users' personal data was found unlawful at the start of the year. And their reasoning was performance of a contract. So basically they said users agreed to the terms of service so we can... Uh, uh, sign or we can collect this data and uh i think it was germany was like no not good enough try again which actually the next quote meta has since switched to a claim of legitimate interest for this data for ads processing but earlier this week the bloc's top court piled more regional woes on meta via a judgment on a german case referral where the court said this legal basis was not appropriate for running meta's behavioral ads either and consent needs to be sought so they're two and oh they keep losing their arguments Under EU law, sensitive information such as health data also requires an even higher standard of explicit consent to be legally processed in order to be compliant with GDPR. So Meta would need to ask and obtain specific permission for processing sensitive data like health. Additionally, incoming EU regulations ban the use of sensitive data for ads entirely and may require explicit consent for tech giants to combine data for ad profiling. So there's even more regional legal uncertainty looming over the horizon for Meta's people farming business. Well put. I know I've posted an article about it and I think wasn't it in uh, TechLore put out a video the other day. Wasn't it in your video, the article about how um, it, all the data it collects? Or yeah. it may collect? Yeah, okay, I figured. Anyways, yeah, uh, GDPR is so strict that Meta is just, this thing collects so much data, which, I mean, for, for regular listeners, that's it's not news. I mean, that's what Facebook does. Nobody should be surprised by this. Meta would need to ask and obtain specific permission for processing sensitive data. Um, we've seen, through things like Apple's app tracking transparency, which is where you choose to opt out of, like, specific targeted advertising on Apple devices, what did we see? Something like 70, 80% of people opted out of that. I mean, people do care to some extent about their privacy. And if if Meta has to specifically ask for permission to collect this health data, there's a really good chance most EU users are going to say no. You know, they may not care as much as we would like them to care, but clearly they care enough that if they're prompted, most of them are going to say no. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think the story kind of speaks for itself. And for those who didn't watch it, uh, Techler, I kind of again my own personal thoughts on this whole threads thing and why i'm not touching it with a 50 foot pole and i'm gonna respond to like the three people who you guys don't i don't know why i clicked the video but there are three people who were like you'll be on it soon enough and i'm like i've avoided facebook products for like a decade why is threads gonna be any different it's so funny dude so <laughs> you did you do that to me on
1: on twitter when i left twitter i i deleted everything and then i posted and i posted and pinned a status that said like I'm no longer monitoring this account. Go follow me on Mastodon. And I didn't log in, but I I forget how I found it. But I saw that somebody had left a comment that was like, see you back in a few months. And I'm just like, sure, you tell yourself that, bro.
0: All right, next we're gonna go into the data breaches and we're gonna start with Mastodon. So the instance collectiva.social database was seized by the FBI. In mid-May, 2023, the home of one of collectiva's social admins was raided and all their electronics was seized by the FBI. This raid was part of an investigation into a local protest uh, and collectiva was neither a subject nor target of this investigation, but. Apparently they were searched, so if they weren't, like, if why, how were they searched if they weren't part of an investigation? It's really confusing. Um, But either way, um, at the time of the raid, their admin is troubleshooting an issue and worked with a backup copy of the social database. This backup, dated from the first week of May, was an unencrypted state when the raid occurred and it was seized along with everything else. Just reading that, I find the story a little hard to believe, but either way, that's what happened. Um, And I'm not the kind of person who's gonna like say this isn't what actually happened, but it's it's a nasty, unfortunate coincidence if that's what happened, regardless of where you stand on this, uh, what's relevant, uh, I guess, and what is definitely true is that uh, a lot of user data was seized, including user account information like the email address associated with your account, your followers, who you follow, all your posts, possibly IP addresses associated with your account uh, since they're logged for three days and then they're deleted, so it's unclear how much of those were collected. Uh, There was a hashed uh, version of your password that was uh, also collected. And uh, they pretty much said to all users as a precaution, they recommend that everyone changes their passwords uh, to new, unique, strong passwords. And then finally, they said our present awareness is that the seized uh, collectiva data is unrelated to the federal investigation and prosecution, and we are exploring legal avenues to have the seized data returned and copies destroyed. So really bizarre story. But, you know, if I had to like create like an AI generated Mastodon instance gets seized by the FBI story. I think this is about how it'd go. I, I guess to end on a more positive note, not really positive note, but a, a different
1: note, I, I think a good takeaway from the story is a reminder, you know, even from like you use Mastodon, I use Mastodon, it's a reminder that, you know, Mastodon is, I mean, it's, I like it. I don't really have too many complaints with it. But from a security perspective, it's not encrypted. Even, you know, you're, you're, quote-unquote DMs can be seen by the admin and therefore anyone who accesses the database, um, you know, use alias email addresses. There's an organization in my town that I'm involved with that I I purposely do not follow on Mastodon because it would dox where I'm from. And I mean, for me, that's like a public thing. Like, I'm, I'm sure my IP, I'm sure I probably accessed it without a VPN once or twice, so it's probably in the IP log somewhere. But my point is like, you know, publicly speaking, like just things like that. You got to keep those kind of things in mind. I, I think for random strangers on the internet, it's probably not a big deal, but I, I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. Just just be mindful of what you do on there. Okay, our next story came from a listener. So thank you very much for uh, alerting us to this. It says data breach could affect up to 100,000 patients at Queensway Carleton Hospital. Uh, This came from Canada. Health and personal information, home address, and OHIP numbers of up to 100,000 patients at Queensway Carleton Hospital may have been affected by a major data breach involving an Ottawa-based company software company. Queensway Carleton Hospital said it stopped using the virtual care platform by the Canadian software company atonic systems inc after learning in march that an unauthorized part third party may have gained access to intern, oh my god i remember this now to quote an internal test environment unquote where personal health information of canadian patients had been temporarily stored quick note stop using real data in internal test environments oh my god people like i don't collect any user data because my site doesn't need it But, like, that would be 101. Just make a million John Smith accounts and use those. How hard is this? Quoting the article again, it is unclear whether the data breach extends beyond the patients of Queensway-Carlton. On its website, the software company mentions a number of health institutions as its clients. Neither Atonix nor individual health organizations had responded to the questions about the extent of the breach. On its website, Atonix says it is used globally by 250 hospitals and tens of thousands of patients. Data potentially accessed could include demographic information, including the patient's name, gender, date of birth, marital status, and mother tongue, mother language. Home address, phone number, and email address, OHIP numbers, insurance policy numbers, healthcare providers, patient ID numbers, patient visit ID numbers, scheduled surgical dates,
0: past medical history, and procedure description. Never, ever good stuff. Next, Microsoft has denied a data breach. Theft of 30 million customer accounts. So Microsoft has denied the claims of the so-called hacktivists, Anonymous Sudan, that they breached the company's servers and stole credentials for 30 million users. Yesterday, they alleged that they hacked Microsoft and accessed this database with all the accounts, and they offered to sell this database to interested parties for $50,000 and urged interested buyers to engage in contact with their Telegram bot to arrange the purchase of the data. The post even includes a sample of the data they offered, which they allege was stolen, as proof of the breach, and warned that Microsoft would deny those claims. The group provided 100 credential pairs, but their origin could not be verified, uh, because, like old data, the results of a breach of a third-party service provider stolen from the systems. Quickly reading the story that was shared here, um, if they have to tell people that Microsoft is going to deny (laughs) that it's real, I have to... I have to assume that it might actually not be real because that's not normally something that these people do. So I, I mean, to, to be fair,
1: we've seen a lot of companies be like, "No, we didn't have a breach," and
0: then only after it gets published, they're like, "All right, we had." a Yeah, breach. but not preemptively. You know, it's so, not yeah, like fair. someone breaches TikTok and goes, "Oh, by the way, we're gonna leak this," but they're gonna say it's not real. <laughs> normally, yeah, like TikTok will say it's not real, and then they go, "No, it is real." <laughs> like you know, yeah. um, so also, by the way, the article did not have an update. So right. Yeah. Fun story, I guess we'll probably get an update to that one. Stay subscribed.
1: Our next story is real quick. It says Nickelodeon investigates breach after leak of decades-old data. Uh, there wasn't really much to this story. Uh, there's I got one quote here. The TV channel spokesperson assured that the leaked data does not contain user or employee data and that it is limited to production resources and other intellectual property. Um, it appears to be, like the headline says, decades-old data. It's um, They didn't specify like specifically how old or what it's from, but um, I guess just the kind of stuff that uh, millennials grew up on, I guess. I don't know. Maybe scripts for TV shows. Who knows? They, again, did not go into a lot of details, but there you go. Nickelodeon had a data breach. Your childhood had a data breach. Not Literally nothing is safe. Not even your childhood.
0: And Bangladesh government website has leaked citizens' personal data. So this website leaked the personal information to citizens, including full names, phone numbers, email addresses, and national ID numbers. TechCrunch was able to verify that the leaked data was legit. They did this by using a portion to query a public search tool on the affected government website. By doing this, the website returned other data contained in the leaked database, such as the name of the person who applied, as well as in some cases in the name of their parents. So they attempted this with 10 different sets of data, which all returned correct data. TechCrunch is not naming the government website because the data is still available online. And they still haven't heard back from any of the government organizations that they emailed asking for comment and alerting of the data exposure. So if you are um, over there and you're dealing with this issue, definitely be on high alert for any type of identity theft and any scams and things like that. That's about the most you can do right now until we get more information. I'm going to throw it out there on the heels of that story
1: because last time we did this, we got responses. If anybody from that part of the world knows if you guys have access to like credit freezes or something similar, Um, let me know. I'd really like to know. Last time we did that with Australia and we got like four or five emails. Okay. Um, with that, we'll move to companies. I get the fun one. We're going to start off with Google saying that they will scrape everything you post online for AI. But it says Google updated its privacy policy over the weekend, explicitly saying that the company reserves the right to scrape just about everything you post online to build its AI tools. It says Google uses information to improve our services and develop new products, features, and technologies that benefit our users and the public. For example, we use publicly available information to help train Google's AI models and build products and features like Google Translate, BARD, and Cloud AI capabilities. I'm actually not going to lie, that's so vague, I probably wouldn't have noticed it had I read it, because pretty much every privacy policy says we use publicly available information. Uh, So that could really mean anything, which in this case could mean everything you post online. Uh, Quoting Slashdot again, they said this is an unusual clause for a privacy policy. Typically, these policies describe the way that a business uses the information you post on the company's own services. Here, it seems Google reserves the right to harvest and harness data posted on any part of the public web as if the whole internet is the company's own AI playground. I guess, you know, we've said it before, like anything you post in a digital format, just kind of assume it's out there. And I guess this really is kicking into high gear now.
0: Um, Be aware of that possibility. And on the topic of Google... Uh, they have released uh, July security updates to fix three actively exploited bugs on Android. So this also comes with fixes for 46 other vulnerabilities, and those three that I mentioned earlier are likely actively exploited in the wild. So make sure you're staying updated. These updates apply to Android 11, 12, and 13, but it's worth noting that older devices not supported anymore may not get this update. So just do what you can, but as always, automatic updates, if not, update ASAP. These things happen pretty frequently.
1: Okay, with that, we'll move into the research. And we have a little bit of a different one this week. Um, I, I just realized the other day school is out. So I think that's why we're seeing less research stories because a lot of our research typically comes from like universities and things. And now that it's the summer, school's out, less research going on. But here we have one. The headline says actively exploited vulnerability threatens hundreds of solar power stations. So this comes from a security firm called Volncheck. And I'm going to go ahead and quote the article here. Hundreds of internet exposed devices inside solar farms remain unpatched against a critical and actively exploited vulnerability that makes it easy for remote attackers to disrupt organizations or gain a foothold inside the facilities. The devices, sold by Osaka Japan-based Contech under the brand name SolarView, help people inside solar facilities monitor the amount of power they generate, store, and distribute. contact says that roughly 30,000 power stations have introduced the devices, which come in various packages based on the size of the operation and type of equipment it uses. Searches on Shodan, uh, which for those of you who don't It's a search engine for vulnerabilities. Um, I think you can search by IP address and it'll tell you if there's any known vulnerabilities, like what what software is running. It's actually really useful if you self-host things from home. You can look up your IP address and you can see like, oh, my server is outdated. I I need to patch it or it has this, you know, known vulnerability that I need to go and find a fix for. Anyways, uh, searches on Shodan indicate that more than 600 of them are reachable by the open Internet. More than two thirds of them have yet to install an update that patches this. And it has a severity rating severity rating of 9.8 out of 10. Bad stuff. There is no guidance on the contact website about either vulnerability and company representatives did not respond to emailed questions. Any organization using one of the affected devices should update as soon as possible. Organizations should also check to see if their devices are exposed to the internet. And if so, change the configurations to just, uh, ensure the devices are reach- reachable only on internal networks. So... Um, yeah, on the topic of self-hosting again, if you self-host, it's generally advised, don't put things on the open internet unless you really have to and really know what you're doing. And this is one of the reasons why, um, you got to keep your stuff updated, always check for that kind of stuff. Um, don't put it on the internet if you don't have to, that's always the safest option. And, uh, you know, we've mentioned it before. Doesn't hurt to have a little bit of survivalism in you, some water, some generators, um, some batteries cause
0: power grid's not always reliable especially when apparently people don't bother to update things. And the politics. We're gonna go back to Google a little bit. And this comes from Sweden. Their watchdog pretty much has said to stop using Google Analytics as it issues over $1 million in fines. These fines are notable as they are the first such fines following a raft of strategic privacy complaints targeting Google Analytics and Facebook Connect Back in august 2020 the regulator found that so-called supplementary supplementary measures applied by google to european users data sent to the u.s for processing were insufficient to raise the level of protection to the required legal standard including google's use of ip address uh, truncation and anonymization member and it also said the company did not clarify whether the truncation was performed before or after the transfer of the data to the us so they had failed to demonstrate there is no potential access to the entire ip address before the last Okta is truncated. The watchdog also found breaches of the General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR rules, to transfers on transfers to third countries in the case of two other companies' use of Google Analytics, Coop and Dagen's Industries, but did not issue fines in those cases. So this is pretty neat. I hope that this actually spreads, uh, especially as we're seeing more and more stories like here in the U.S., where... We have, like, mental health institutions who have, and they bake in all these analytics to Facebook, Google, Snapchat, TikTok, and they say, they we don't collect your data, but we're just putting analytics for all these companies that collect your data anyway. So um, hopefully we we'll see some more measures taken against this third-party tracking that's included on websites.
1: All right, so I got the fun one this week. Our second, um, our last political story, actually, it's been kind of a slow week. Probably because the holiday it says uh, France passes new bill allowing police to remotely activate cameras on citizens phones. Quoting the article here, as reported by Le Monde, the bill has been criticized by the French people as a snoopers charter that allows police unfettered access to the location of its citizens. Moreover, police can activate cameras and microphones to take video and audio recordings of suspects. The bill will reportedly only apply to suspects in crimes that are punishable by a minimum of five years in jail, and Justice Minister Eric Depon-Moretti claimed that the new provision would only affect a few dozen cases per year. During a debate over the bill yesterday, French politicians added an amendment that orders judge approval for any surveillance conducted under the scope with the bill and limits the duration of surveillance to six months we talked about this last week with the the mozilla story like the government is constantly creepy and like it's you give them an inch they take a mile that's the thing and so like okay it, it needs judge approval it can only last six months it can only be used for like domestic terrorists well you know this guy was planning a a, a violent shooting spree he's a domestic terrorist right Well, this guy was planning it. He didn't do anything, but he was planning it, so he's a terrorist. Well, this other guy was, you know, on some suspicious websites, so maybe he was going to be a terrorist. Like, you see, it just kind of builds and builds, and that's really what the issue with these bills are, is it becomes that slippery slope. And furthermore, again, it it legitimizes it. You know, it's the government saying, like, well, we're already doing this anyways. We'll just make it legal. And, you know, now that it's, like, kind of legal, maybe it lasted seven months. You know, oops, mistakes happen. Things happen, you know maybe we didn't get a judge's approval right away, but we got it three months later when we were out drinking with the judge. And we were like, hey, can you sign this real quick? Like, I, I don't know. It just, to me, that's this whole thing is just, it's a slippery slope. That's the problem with these kind of bills. And it also, just to touch on it, it, it basically says you can hack citizens. You know, when they say remotely activate cameras, I mean, that's, think about that for a minute. That's very unsettling. Like, that means you're giving them permission to hack somebody's phone because I, I know a lot of you guys are going to disagree with this, but I don't think Google and Apple are intentionally, well, particularly Apple, probably Google, I don't think they're intentionally building in government backdoors
0: to their devices. So the only alternative is the government's hacking your phone. I'm polit- Politics aside, I'm actually most interested in the technical parts of the story. Um, because- right, the remotely activating the camera, right? Right. Because uh, there's an implication that this is what they're able to do. So I don't know if that's because they want the capability to do it. And they're going to try to force companies to allow it to happen. Um, because as far as I know, there isn't just un there's not like an untethered way that I know of that I've seen that any researchers have shared. There's no untethered way for law enforcement to just instantly gain access to your camera. That's not how it works. Right, it's not that simple. Um there are things that we've seen like the spyware, but those are very isolated and very targeted things that cost a lot of money to pull off. Not even like your yeah, local Yeah, every law time they activate
1: Pegasus, they have to pay for a license. So they're not just going to start unleashing Pegasus on random protesters
0: right like local law enforcement doesn't have the funds and the money or the energy to deal with that so i'm really curious just behind the technical part of this my guess is they want to maybe um allow this because then they can start pushing companies to allow them access to this um that might be maybe yeah. the long-term goal i don't know i'm just really curious think about that that's a good thought i don't know i'm just curious about the technical details because again no, no that's um, a really good thought I don't know, because we're going to get comments of people who are like, well, obviously they can hack into it, but that's not actually based in any evidence that we've seen. And I like to look at the evidence and what the research says. And there are people who, for a living, are here to protect people in very dangerous situations. And even they're going to tell you, no, like a random law enforcement agency, as far as we know, can't just instantly hack your camera just because, like, they have your your cell phone number. Like, there are still steps that they'd have to go through to be able to do that which i'm not saying it's impossible but it's just not as easy as flipping a it's switch just, yeah which is, it's not going to be widespread and easy right like which is what this is yeah. so that's what i'm curious about <laughs> up Next, we're going to move into FOSS, and this is something called Snappy, which is a tool to detect rogue Wi-Fi access points on open networks. So uh, to kind of break down why this is even a thing, so attackers can create fake access points in supermarkets, coffee shops, and malls that impersonate real ones already established at the location. This is done to trick users into connecting to this access point and then relaying sensitive data through the device, and as the threat threat actors control the router, they can capture and analyze the transferred data by performing. Man in the middle attacks. By analyzing beacon management frames, he found that certain static elements, such as the vendor, BSSID, supported rates, channel, country, max transmit power, and other things that vary between different 802.11 wireless access points, but are consistent for a specific access point over time. The researcher figured that he could concatenate. Consonate?
1: I think that's got no. That's not a typo because it's not red. Hey, we're going to learn a new word today, guys. Are you looking that word? Concatenate. Up
0: too? Concatenate.
1: Concatenate function is a text function used to join two or more text strings into one. Uh, wait, why am I listening to Brave's AI? That thing sucks.
0: Concatenate. Okay. To
1: link together in a series or chain.
0: Right. Well, apparently the researcher figured. Learned a that new he word could. today concatenate these elements and hash them with SHA-256 to create a unique signature for each access point, which could be used by a scanner tool to generate matches and mismatches. Either way, the functionality was incorporated into a Python script called Snappy that was published on Trustwave's GitHub repository and made available for free. Apart from the mechanism to generate these hashes of wireless access points, Snappy can also detect access points created by Airbase NG, which is a tool that hackers use to create fake access points to capture packets from connected users or even inject data into their network traffic. Executing Python scripts on laptops should be straightforward as long as Python is installed, but users of mobile devices will have to go the extra mile to source specific interpreters and emulators. Android devices owners may use PyDroid, QPython, or Termix to run Python scripts on their phones, while iOS users can choose between Pythonista, Carnets, and Juno. Hopefully Trustwave will consider publishing the tool in a more usable form for the wider audience soon. So it'd be cool if this turns into like a thing that's easy to download and test out yourself. Uh, In the meantime, if you are concerned about this, it's probably not a widespread issue, but if you are concerned about this, uh, I'm assuming that a VPN will at least protect against some parts of this, um, but more importantly, just avoiding public network points in general is probably the best move so if you can just use your phone's hotspot or if you have like a mobile hotspot that's probably the best way to go
1: um just a quick disclaimer when we listed off those uh, android and ios apps that was in the article we're not necessarily endorsing those apps that was just what the article recommended okay this next story is actually pretty quick it comes from tutanota it said the race is on tutanota launches development of post-quantum secure cloud um to be honest the title really says it all this is just a big pr piece uh, it's kind of a formal announcement because we already covered a story where Tutanota, um basically announced, I don't remember the context, it's escaping me at the moment, but Nota said, like, hey, we're going to make an encrypted cloud. Um, that's, like, the most user-requested feature, we're going to do that. And this is just kind of a formal announcement, like, hey, we're officially starting work on it. Apparently, funding primarily came from a 1.5 million euro grant from the German government via the Federal Ministry of Education and Research. So if you want more details, you can read the article. It's uh, pretty lengthy, so it'll probably answer pretty much any question you have. Um, it's probably in there. So this is dope. Uh, I definitely encourage more open source uh, encrypted cloud options. And uh, I like to Tutanote as a company, so I'll be excited to,
0: to see this when it comes to fruition. All right. Up next, uh, Firefox 115 is here. So uh, you can now bring over your payment methods from Chrome-based browsers to Firefox as part of the transition if you were interested in moving over to Firefox. Uh, aside from that, hardware video decoding is now enabled for Intel GPUs on Linux. The tab manager dropdown now features close buttons so you can close tabs more quickly. They've refreshed and streamlined the user interface for importing data in from other browsers. Uh, users without platform support for H.264 video decoding can now fall back to Cisco's Open H264 plugin for playback. Windows Magnifier now follows the text cursor correctly when the Firefox title bar is visible, Windows users on low-end USB Wi-Fi drivers with the OS geolocation disabled can now approve geolocation on a case-by-case basis without causing system-wide network instability, and of course, as always, various security fixes. It's worth mentioning that in January 2023, Microsoft ended support for Windows 7 and Windows 8, and as a consequence, this is the last version of Firefox that users on those operating systems will receive. Users on those operating systems will automatically be migrated to the ESR 115 version of Firefox so that they can continue to receive important security updates similarly this is the last major version of firefox that will support apple mac os 10.12 10.13 and 10.14 similarly people on those systems will be migrated to esr to receive important security updates so nothing super exciting but nice to see firefox still push updates i was kind of on the fence about adding this one but i think i will
1: add it um just to throw it in there Somebody wrote, and for the record, I don't know anything about this person. I don't know how uh, reputable this article is, but I haven't heard anybody disputing it. Um, somebody wrote an article that says Firefox 115 can silently remotely disable extensions on any site. Just something to be aware of. It, it looks like, and look, I'm not the biggest Mozilla fan. Um, they've done a lot of things I'm not real happy with. So this isn't me necessarily defending them as a company, but I I don't think they're acting maliciously. Basically, the headline says exactly what it says, um, or the story says exactly what the headline says. You know what I mean? Uh, with this new release of Firefox, Mozilla has created the ability to remotely disable extensions at least on certain websites if they believe the extension is malicious. Um, it doesn't. I don't see any indication that this is like a targeted thing. Like I don't think they're going to do this for your device, I think they're going to do it per extension. So if I release, um, the author actually has one here. They have their own extension. Um, what's it called? Stop the madness. I don't know what it does for the record. Um, but they used it for testing some of this. So because it's their own extension, it's not monitored by Mozilla. And they found that, uh, they were able to add it to a built-in block list on the browser and therefore disable it on YouTube automatically. So, um, it's just something to be aware of like i I see where Mozilla's coming from with this. it's an it's a goal the intention is to protect users from potentially malicious extensions, but at the same time, the fact that they're not being super f- upfront about it and you know, as always, like giving somebody else that kind of control over your device is never exactly uh, something we're happy with in the privacy community, but um. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I wanted to throw that in there. I was kind of on the fence about it, but I feel kind of weird not including it. Okay, and that'll take us into our misfits. We only have one story this week. It says Tom Morello, Zach De La Roca, and Boots Riley boycotting venues that use face scanning technology. And in case you don't recognize those first two names, it's Rage Against the Machine. Um, that's the guitarist and the singer, respectively. So, quoting the article, over 100 artists, including Rage Against the Machine, co-founders Tom Morello and Zach De La Roca, along with Boots Riley and Speedy Ortiz, have announced that they are boycotting any concert venue that uses facial recognition technology, citing concerns that the tech infringes on privacy and increases discrimination. The boycott, organized by the digital rights advocacy group Fight for the Future, who, personal note, does awesome work. You guys should check them out. Calls for the ban of face scanning technology at all live events. Several smaller independent concert venues across the country, including House of Yes in Brooklyn, the Lyric Hyperion in Los Angeles, and Black Cat in D.C., also pledged not to use facial recognition tech for their shows. Other artists who said they would boycott included Anti Flag, Downtown Boys, and over additional eighty artists or over eighty additional artists. Weedus—that's a name I haven't heard in years. I like that song. I like this. I I really do. I'm going to be honest. I don't like Rage Against the Machine at all. Um, Just personal preference. Not a fan of the music. Not a fan of the political beliefs. Just not a fan. Um, Although Tom Morello is is a wicked guitar player. I will give him that. But, you know, they're a big name. They're a huge name. They have a lot of fans. Their fans listen to them. And it's really cool to see them using that voice for something good. And, you know, on our topic, something privacy related. You know, usually celebrities have good causes they support. It's really cool to see celebrities stepping forward to promote privacy. So and again, they have that, you know, that I mean, if Rage Against the Machine doesn't play at your venue, it's probably not gonna sink your venue, but it, it's enough to call attention to it. And it may even inspire other artists who can sink your venue
0: to not play there. So um, yeah. I I like this. I think this is dope. That's it for the week. Meta's new Threads app is not allowed in the EU over privacy concerns. France has passed a new law allowing police to spy on phones. Google wants to scrape everything posted online for training their AI and a lot more. Again, if you like what we're doing here and you tune into this weekly, we really suggest and we'd really appreciate uh, supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash surveillance pod. This takes a lot of time out of our weekends and we put in a lot of hard work to make sure that all of you can stay updated with the privacy and security news. And so if you get value from this, definitely be sure to contribute. If you don't like Patreon, we're also on LiberPay. And if you don't like LiberPay, we also directly support Monero contributions. Um, For those curious, the Q&A will be coming soon, both in video and audio, uh, in the same places that you'll find uh, these normally. So on YouTube, it's going to be in the same channel, and in audio, it's going to be in the same RSS feed. And the final thing I'll say is thank you for listening to the surveillance support. And if you liked anything that we shared today, make sure to share it with anyone you know to help spread privacy to the people around you. And make sure you're giving us any ratings or giving us a like or whatever it is to engage with our content on whatever platform you're listening in on that helps us reach new people. I want to thank you again for listening and we'll see you next week.